myself Edwin and today we have an elite athlete joining myself this is someone who just as recently um, won a silver medal indoors in the 400 meters so today I am joined by Trevor Bassett how are you doing Trevor I'm good thank you how are you doing I'm not too bad I'm not too bad it's been it's been a been a positive day but yeah thanks for joining so we'll start off with how I like to start off with all of our guests is take us back to your first encounter with sports first encounter was wow that's it's back a little ways um i first started doing sports in seventh grade uh so i was uh i did basketball and track and field and i was not very good at either um <laughs> i was very much a late bloomer physically and athletically Okay. So my first experience with sport, I was very much uh, developmental is the word okay. I'll use. Okay. And at the time, did you, were those the early sports that you liked or did you like any other sports? Um, I always, I'd love watching uh, American football, but I've yeah. ne I never played it. I was always too small. But I would say my favorite sport for a while was basketball. And then kind of okay. as I grew and found myself in track and field, I really uh, gravitated towards that. Okay. What what made you gravitate towards that? Was it in terms of your skill set or was there other reasons for that? I think it was a mix of my skill set kind of growing in the sport as a whole. And then I really liked the individual aspect of it. So I could yeah. go out and just depend on myself because, and people that play team sports know, you could be mm. the best at your position doing everything right. And you have a teammate that if they're not on it for whatever reason on a play, everything's ruined, right? And the whole team yeah. gets punished for that. So for me, I really like being able to just take things into my own hands and kind of handle it myself. Is there a different feeling? Let's say if you're in a losing position for individual sport to team sport, do, do you get that different, a different feel or does it feel the same? It's definitely a different feeling. So like when I lose a race, it's 100% on me, right? Whether it's mm -hmm. I didn't perform that day, I didn't prepare properly, a bunch of different reasons. Whereas for a team sport, whether it's basketball or football, part of the reason we lost is on me. But I mm -hmm. also know that that's not, it's not all my fault. And I would rather have 100% of the blame and the accountability instead of mm -hmm. having to be able to be like, oh, well, this kid didn't show up today. Like he didn't perform to his best for whatever reason why. I like to be able to control as much as I can, which is why I really gravitated towards track and field as an individual sport. Okay. Is there any elements in a team sport that you wish you had in track and field? Oh, yeah. I miss, I miss the, team, the team aspect of it. And obviously, like I'm still on my collegiate team. We have relays. So I'm still a part of a team and we work out together every day. 
but still like the team aspect of like, I'm going to use basketball as an example because I played it. The example of like, we run a play perfectly or like I have a nice pass to a teammate and they make a shot. It's a great feeling helping each other out. So sort of that aspect of like the teammate connection, like I help you, you help me. And we like make a big play, that kind of aspect I miss. I'm going to touch a little bit about training. So how was how was it for you when you first started training? Um, <laughs> because I know I know my experience when I was doing it at the time. How, how was it for you? Oh, it was rough. I mean, mm-hmm. I definitely was consistently in the back of the pack of workouts, like barely making it through. And then as I kind mm-hmm. of started to grow a bit more, I found myself moving up the pack, getting up there. And by my junior senior high school I was leading the pack leading the workouts and I pretty much learned early with me struggling as much as I did that I was going to have to work really freaking hard to make sure that I could do what I wanted to do was how was that for you like being at the back and um still persevering because a lot of people when they're at the back of a group that gives them enough encouragement to think you know what I'm done this is not for me um, what what kept you going? Honestly, I just never, I just never ended up quitting. I mean, I almost quit going into high school just to focus on basketball. My parents mm. talked me out of it. Of they were just kind of like, "Hey, you've grown a bit more. Like, let's see if high school is different." So mm. then I I just stuck with it, and I started to see progress then. And I'm thankful to go through that. I mean, starting off being very bad, being at the back it taught me how important hard work is. And with that being the case, I kind of found an appreciation for the work ethic you have to have to be an elite athlete. Whereas some elite athletes, they've been winning races and dominating since they were kids. So then they never really found that work ethic. Whereas for me, I was lucky enough along with a lot of other elite athletes that I kind of had to build myself up. How was it like for you at a young age when you won your first race? How how did you feel? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't remember. I don't remember winning my <laughs> first race, but I guarantee you I was ecstatic. I mean, knowing how I am now, knowing that like when I won the USA, I was probably just as excited as I was when I won the US Indoor Championship, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah. Um, because those... It's a big moment, you know. Uh, it was probably yeah. it's probably middle school or freshman year, um, when you haven't won in forever, and then you get that moment where you finally break. You finally win. It's a big deal. When I first started playing basketball, we won one game the entire year. So for us, we lost pretty much all of our games, and we won with like three or four games left. So to lose week after week after week mm. after week, and then to finally break through, get that win. If you were in our locker room, you'd have thought we just won the NBA Finals. Like it was a big mm-hmm. deal. So I, it was kind of, I'm sure I celebrated. When you started um, track and field, did you know what event you wanted to do at the time? I knew I wanted to be a a hurdler, but at the time mm-hmm. I thought I wanted to be a 110 hurdler. Okay. Whereas now I'm primarily a 400 hurdler. Yeah, because because I, I, I look I looked back at. Um, some of the stuff that you've done and I've seen that you've done a bit of one and you've done full flat and you've done full hurdling. Um, Is there like training for that? Is there different training 
techniques? Is it different? Like, is it a different mindset when it comes to training for for those three? Because obviously, your four four quarters was your strength, but mm-hmm. is there a different mindset behind all of that? There's a different mindset when it comes to competing. When it comes to practice, it's all the same. So I train mm-hmm. as a four hundred runner, four hundred hurdler, and a lot of that training carries over into running the two hundred. It carries into the hundred. So mainly. It's just when I get to the meet and it's time to compete in the 200 or the 100, it's more so like, okay, we got to react to sound. I have to be out crazy fast and then go from there. Whereas the 400, you're still reacting sound, you're still getting out fast, but you're kind of a lot more controlled with it. Talk to us a little bit. You kind of mentioned it briefly, um, the support of your parents. How important was it for you starting your career? Oh, it's, it's been everything. I mean, my parents make it to every meet that they can and always knowing that they're there is a big blessing for me. And then every step along the way, when it was high school, before I could drive myself, like they drive me to track practice, they pick me up, pick me up from meets and all that. And they were just always there, whether I was going to the world championships or getting dead last at the middle school, try meet, they were always there. They were just as proud of me when I won my first race as when I won my last race. So their support's been really big. Do you think it gave you confidence in races? Because I know there's a lot of, I've spoken to a lot of athletes where um, it did make a massive impact if their parents, all friends and family were, were there or not. Was Did it impact you? Um, I don't really, I don't think so. I mean, it's always good to know. Like, it's nice to know that like after race, I can go talk to my parents, I can go talk to my friends, stuff like that. But when they haven't been at meets, it's not like I've been down about it. Like I was just at Mount Sac. I was there by myself. Nobody was there and it was fine. At Worlds, my family wasn't able to go over or anything. And that was fine too. So it's definitely like having them there, having friends and family there to kind of accompany me before the meet and after is really big. And I enjoy it a lot. But I don't think it necessarily gives me any more confidence or anything going into a race. How easy is it for you to balance doing stuff with friends and training it's easy for me personally i mean Mm. if you think about it if you're training so for us we train five days a week and we lift twice a week when we're in season so uh lifting is maybe an hour to an hour and a half long practice Mm. anywhere from an hour and a half to two hours long so you're looking at three and a half to four hours a day right of specifically just track and field time you get meals mixed in in there i try to go to sleep by 10 10 30 p.m at night so i can get rested up for the next day i don't have an issue because normally with me being in a college setting still i see my teammates in the cafeteria i see them at practice so it's never really been an issue for me and then on the weekends if you have a meet awesome you see your teammates at the meet you see them after the meet whatever i've never really had an issue with it have I missed things in the past because like, excuse me, for example, when I'm, when I was training for the Olympic trials, right. And all my teammates were done with their season. They kind of wanted to go out, like party, have a good time a little bit. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do that because I was still training. So yeah. are those, those situations that comes up and it's just, it's making a sacrifice. Like, don't get me wrong. I'd like to still be around. And, and sometimes I still do. I just don't partake in the activities i just kind of hang out just to be around people but for the most part no i've never really had an issue balancing it 
Um, college, the college system in America, we, we know it's very different um, to a lot of countries in the world. Do you think it's a, it's a benefit in terms of the structure of how sport is taken seriously within the college system in the US? I think it helps a lot. I mean, if you look at you look at the college system, like you mentioned, there's a lot of structure, right? You have set coaches, you have set trainers, strength coaches. They take care of your meals with the school. They take care of travel. They take care of getting you into meets, what meets you do, what meets you don't do. So it really helps develop the collegiate track and field athlete to kind of get them used to that structure. But it also makes things difficult when that athlete steps away and becomes a professional because then all of that responsibility falls on them. If they don't stay with their college coach, they have to find a coach. They have to find an agent. They have to find a strength coach, a physio, athletic trainer, all that stuff. So the structure is really good in developing the athlete, but then it also presents its own problems if the athlete turns professional and they don't stay at their college or the college doesn't allow professional athletes to train there. Is there any support provided by the college once a athlete goes professional not that i'm aware of i know schools will help out athletes by allowing them to be volunteer coaches so if you're a volunteer coach it help they you then get access to the school's weight room the track things like that so you get more access to facilities and you're around coaches you're helping the college athletes out other than that i'm not sure how much support there really is i'm still in college Look, I'm finishing up my college season this year, so I'm not too sure how it goes after that, but I'd imagine there's not too much support. Okay. And in in terms of when it comes to the coaching um, setup, how easy was it? Well, obviously you have a college coach, but how easy was it to find a coach before that? And have the dynamics been different with every single coach that you've had? So finding a coach before college or like finding a college coach to go to? Um, before. So before, I mean, it's kind of the same way before college, you're in high school, you have your high school coach. So then for me, what was really important to me was my college coach. So that was the thing I probably took most seriously during my college mm-hmm. search was finding a coach that I felt good about and that nice. I felt like would be around for a while to develop me and help me grow. And it's just making sure you know what you want out of a coach. So for me, I prefer a lot of structure. I don't like variables. I don't like things kind of being out there. I want to make sure that every person's on the same page. I want to be on the same page as a coach, the strength coach, athletic trainer. I want all of us to be on the same page because that's something you can control. That's a variable you can limit. So I made sure I came to a program at Ashland with coach Clark when he was here that had that they had the structure they prioritize hard work recovery all that stuff and that's why i think i've really flourished in the systems i found one that fit me was there any time um, when you've doubted any of the stuff that your coach has said to you no because anytime i have had any like questions or doubts about any of the training or anything we've been doing i nor i ask them why like why are we doing Mm -hmm. this And they've always been able to give me an explanation and to explain the science behind it. And I've always believed that if you ask someone why you're doing something in the weight room or on the track, if they can't explain to you why you're doing it, then that's a problem. 
they need to fully understand why you're doing what you're doing. That's very true. Um, when it comes to athletics, we, we've kind of touched on it. It is an individual sport mainly. But when it comes to training, you tend to have teammates. How is it like training with your teammates? And is there any like tension? Because I know some groups, is all it's all banter and everything is all friendly. But I know with other groups, it can be different. How is it like for you? It's fantastic. I love my teammates here. They push me every day. I wouldn't be the athlete I am without my teammates, right? So my main training partner is Channing Phillips. He's the D2 400 meter outdoor champion. He pushes me every day. We kind of have different running styles. So for me in the yeah. 400, I like to get out fast. He likes to kind of get out a little more conservative and then do a strong surge at the end. So yeah. I push him in the start. He pushes me in the finish. So we match up well. Yeah. Um, other teammates that have pushed me in the 400 hurdles, Cam Shiflett, Travis Moore. I mean, and it's all it's all friendly. I mean, we we're all very close. We cheer for each other. We compete against each other on meet day, and like we have friendly banter. Like we'll talk trash to each other and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, Channing and I had so Channing and I had to race each other at the indoor D two championships, yeah. and I thought I told him I was like, don't get me wrong, like we're teammates, whatever. And I know he's yeah. gonna be the same the same way. I'm like. I'm going to try to kick your butt when it's time to run. Like when we line up, we're not teammates anymore. And he's the same way. And I also fully believe if he would have beaten me, I would have been so happy for him because he's my teammate. Right. Yeah. Like during those 45 seconds when we're running, I do not have a teammate. It's just me versus everybody. But then the second we cross the line and it's over, he's my teammate. He's my training partner. So there's very much, there's a competitive side to it, but not anything where we get like angry or anything, nothing like that. Okay. Talk to us, talk to us a little bit about race day in terms of the way you set up and how, how you like things. Cause I know with some people, they want to talk to everyone. They they like to chat. And there's some people who just want to be a left alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how I am. Um, hmm. I've gotten better about it more recently, yeah. but when it's like race day, especially mainly when I'm warming up, right? Like when I'm yeah. warming up, I have headphones in, I'm listening to music, I'm getting ready to go. I don't want to talk to anybody. My teammates yeah. understand it. They'll look at me. They'll ask one word. They'll ask a question that I can either do the thumbs up or thumbs down to because I don't want to talk. And then when it's time, like we're in the staging area waiting. I can talk to my teammates, but I don't really like talking to like other people because I don't really mm. know the competitors that well. They know me and they want to talk to me, which I appreciate. But when it's time mm. to run, like I'm really not trying to talk to people. There mm. have been times like at the indoor cha D2 championships for the four by four, I was kind of relaxed and like I was just talking to people and that's fine. But those moments are few and far between. I really, I'm not much of a talker, especially if we're getting ready to run like a 400, four by four, 400 hurdles. Something where I like I know the race is gonna hurt a little bit. I mm. really don't want to talk at all. <laughs> Have you is do you notice any difference in your performance, um, depending on how you're feeling in terms of the talk being talkative or not on those days? Um, I don't think so. I mean mm. so again, like the D two indoor change for the four by four, it was my third race of the day, so the adrenaline had kind of worn down for me. Like I had won my other two races. I was kind of like out of that, like really zoned in, like super intense. I was kind of out of that. 
And, like, I was yeah. talking to other people on other teams, whatever, like, just kind of having a good time. And I ran one of the fastest splits of the season. I didn't PR, but it was still yeah. one of the fastest splits of the season and we won the race. I haven't noticed a big jump either way, whether, like, yeah. if I'm super locked in, I run really well, or if I'm kind of more relaxed if I run really well. I haven't really had that. It's more so just, like, a, it's just kind of like whatever happens, happens. Talk to us about, like, has there been any moment in your career so far when you've had um, a setback? And if so, how have you overcome that? Oh, I've had, I've had setbacks every year. <laughs> every season since I've taken track and field seriously, I've had a setback of some sort, whether it's falling in a race, mm. not performing at a meet, or injuries. It's most recently been injuries. Like at the Olympic yeah. trials, I wasn't able to train for the month leading up to it. I couldn't run because of an ankle injury. I had to assault bike. So for me, getting through it was just mainly trusting myself and trusting what yeah. I had done for months prior. Yeah. And it worked. It got me to the final, but then I got eighth, right? And the goal mm-hmm. was obviously to make the team. So to yeah. overcome that, I kind of I kind of had to confront it head on. When it happened, I was out of it. I was beating myself up. I was yeah. didn't want to talk to anybody. And then after like a week or two, I kind of was like, I need to acknowledge that this happened. I need to understand why it happened and figure out what I can do to prevent it from ever happening again. And that's when I reached out to a sports psychologist and I've been meeting with a sports psychologist pretty much ever since. Okay. How how is it like using the sports psychologist? Because there's some who absolutely vow by, by using them. How's it been like for you? Um, I'm not going to complete, like you said, vow to using it. I think it's a very helpful resource. I think it's a good resource if you have it available to you. Mm-hmm. Do I think it's 100% essential? No, because some people, they just don't need it. So for me, yeah. I've always viewed myself as a mentally tough guy. And I have, and I am. Yeah. Like, I've been a mentally tough guy. But that experience at the trials really threw me off. And it kind of opened up some things about myself that I hadn't realized. Yeah. So for me, it was the way we said we did six or seven sessions of like really diving in, like, why do I think this way? Like breaking down my thought process when it comes to training, meets, competitions, whatever. Yeah. And then after those sessions, we kind of got that nailed down. It's more so just been like monthly check-ins, like yeah. tell me what you felt during this race or during this race or what's going on right now. What are you thinking? What are you going through? It's more so just check-ins to kind of like have like a sounding board mm-hmm. to really say whatever I need to say to an unbiased person. Talk, talk to us a little bit about the, um, um, the U.S. trials. So obviously you, you, you saw who won and you saw the time. Did that, did the element of like, in your mind, did you think I could, I could be in that position? And if so, did you also think I need to use this as motivation going forward? So I'm not going to lie. I didn't see the Mm. time. I don't, Mm. even to this day, I don't know what the time Rye Benjamin ran. I haven't watched Mm. the race. Mm. I just, I haven't watched it. I know what time I ran Mm. and it was not good enough to make the team. I know he, I believe he broke the American record if I remember correctly. I don't know exactly what his time was, but now now I, I 100% use his motivation and I feel like I, I can be in that spot. That time he ran, I truly believe with the right work in the right situation, 
and staying healthy, I can run that time. When it when it comes to injuries, have you, with age, obviously you're still quite young, but with age, have you learned how to, let's say, if there's a certain situation where you think, oh, I might get injured, have you learned to like manage your body more? Or, yeah. yeah. I've been able through the years of kind of like I can listen to my body more. I know what situations to avoid. So like for me, I, I just pulled my hamstring last Friday, right? And going into the meet, I knew there was a chance it could happen because mm-hmm. I was operating at a sleep deficit from the California trip to Mount Sac. We had more lifting, mm-hmm. so I wasn't getting great recovery, wasn't sleeping as much as I normally do. And we had four straight days of super high intense training because we had to move our mm-hmm. schedule around. And I knew I'm, I'm warming up at the meet because I was supposed to run the 200. I'm warming up. I'm like, I don't feel good. Like, I didn't think, I didn't feel like I was going to get injured. I didn't feel yeah. in danger or anything, but I was like, I don't feel fast. Yeah. This meet just feels kind of weird. Like, we weren't supposed to run this weekend. Then we found this meet and we just decided to do it. Like, yeah. I don't know. And in, the, and in my mind, I was like, I should probably pull out. Like, I shouldn't run. Mm. But then I was like, ah, no, like it's really nice weather. I need the speed yeah. work. I need the trainer. So I'm going to do it. And I did it. And I pulled my hamstring four steps into the race, made it four steps out of the blocks, pulled my hamstring. Oh, so for me, do I obviously regret running? Yes. But I did something that taught me where I know my body better than even I thought I did because I was getting all these warning signs from my body of like, you're not sleeping great. You don't feel great. Something just feels off about the meat. It's not a championship meat, so it's not like I have to push through it. So now from that experience, I now know if I feel that again, probably going to pull out of the race. And it's just kind of taking these moments when I've been injured in the past, figuring out what happened leading up to it and making sure yeah. I incorporate something into my daily routines to make sure I prevent that from happening again. And obviously you can't prevent all injuries. I can do everything right. And I can pull my hamstring again, but you want to minimize that risk as much as possible. Yeah, no, you're hundred percent right because uh, I think that's pro- probably something. Obviously, something you're learning, but I think it's something that a lot of athletes learn as they get older. Because I've I've seen so many races where someone's supposed to run and all of a sudden they're pulled out, and then they're running a week later. Fine, and I'm guessing that's probably like when you're listening to your body. Your body's saying today's not the day. Don't run today. <laughs> Um, that's 100% what it is yeah because it probably could like affect the rest of your season in some cases so yeah I guess it's just one of those things you have to listen to but then also this kind of brings me to my next question how how, when it comes to like the diet do you is there sometimes you eat certain things and you think this is going to affect my performance like (laughs) I should maybe stay away from it yeah, I mean, I always try to avoid, avoid high inflammatory foods. So whether it's, yeah. it's like super cheesy, buttery, high dairy, yeah. like I try to stay away from it because I know my body's going to feel sore. I don't really do yeah. too much in terms of a diet. I mainly just yeah. make sure I try to get enough calories, get enough protein, get carbs with every meal. That's pretty much the main thing I look for each time I go to eat. Okay. So we're, we're coming into... Um the 2022 season so what are the main things that you're looking for this season 
I'm looking to move up my ranking in the 400 hurdles mainly. I want to help my team win the D2 title as yeah. in my last collegiate season at the end of May. Then after that, we're looking to make that USA outdoor team. And I yeah. truly think I should be able to finish this season, if all goes well, top five in the world in the 400 hurdles. Whether or not that happens so. remains to be seen. But I believe with where I'm at in my training, where I'm at physically, mentally, if all goes well, if all goes how it should, I don't see a reason why I shouldn't be top five in the world in the 400 hurdles. But I guess that's that's the thing. Believing is the is kind of like one of the most important things. If you don't believe it, how can you achieve it? It's just exactly. And you tend to find, like I had in the last season of this um one of the last episodes I had Devin Allen and his you could see his mindset like was was crazy. And I guess as an elite athlete, that's what you have to have. You have to always believe, even if you that like, you're in a race and there's someone who's the favorite, you have to always go in the mindset I'm gonna win. I'm going to execute the race and I'm going to win. For sure. That's how you have to do it, especially at this level. Everybody's good. You're not always going to win, but you need yeah. to run to win. If you run to win, good things tend to happen. Yeah, definitely. Um, in terms of what you managed to achieve at the indoors this year, do you think that's given you so much confidence going forward? Yeah. I mean, it just kind of confirmed what I already thought from like this off season of, I've gotten stronger, I've gotten faster, and kind of seeing myself go to the world championship stage, leave with a silver medal, with a big PR, with a time that broke the old championship record. Yeah. If I would have wanted to be the new championship record, but Jareem Richards got me, but we both broke the old championship record. So seeing that happen just confirmed to me that my 400 flat speed is, is there. And yeah. if the 400 flat speed is there, you just have to take care of the hurdles and then good things are going to happen. Yeah. Actually, this, this is a question, but I've not really asked anyone, but what would you do, let's say, um, when you're getting towards the trials and let's say you're running the falls and the, and the full hurdles and you were achieving exceptional times at the full flat, would that sway your mind at all in terms of going towards that or you're fully focused on the full hurdles? It would, it would potentially sway it. I mean, I would have to sit down with my coach and my agent and kind of figure out what do we think is the best chance for me, A, to make the team, and B, to get a world medal. If we think the best chance for that is the Open Four, then we're probably going to pursue the Open Four at that meet. If we yeah. think it's still the 400 hurdles, we're probably going to go for the 400 hurdles. Yeah. You, you kind of just briefly said an agent. How, how um, straightforward is the process of finding an agent? It's pretty straightforward. Um, you have people reach out to you. You can reach out to people if you have connections. And then you pretty much just see if there's an agent that you like, that you feel good about with the relationship. And then you just kind of go from there. Brilliant. Trevor, a last question. So in terms of your mindset, what would you say are the three biggest attributes that you have? I'd say the three biggest attributes I have is confidence. I mean, whether yeah. it's irrational confidence, but it's there. Like you said, yeah. every time I step up to a meet, I feel like I'm going to win the race. Obviously, the next time I race for High Benjamin are the odds of me winning very slim. Yes. Well, I probably not win. Yes. 
But when I line up in those blocks, I genuinely believe that I'm going to win that race. And when you have that confidence, you're going to compete. So having that ability to compete no matter what, no matter who I'm racing against is big. So I would say the confidence. I would just say the trust in my training. I've always been able to trust myself, trust my training, trust God. And then the last attribute. Hmm. That's a good one. Three. Last attribute, I would probably say. It kind of ties into the first one, but I would just say my ability to not give up. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, at the World Championships, I was in second coming around the first lap, and I could mm-hmm. not get around Dream Richards to save my life. A lot of people in that situation, when you hit the home stretch, they would have just kind of stayed conservative and just taken the silver medal in probably a slower mm-hmm. time. But for me, I charged. I left everything I had on the track, and I still lost. I still got ended up with silver. But I ran a much faster time and I can yeah. leave the track knowing that I left everything out there. Which is the main thing, which is the main thing. Trevor, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on. It's been it's been a great episode. I'm sure people that listen to this are gonna pick up so much um useful information out of this going forward. We'll be back with more episodes like this very soon. For those who are listening for the first time welcome for those who've listened before welcome back please like please share please subscribe until next time peace